Is that okay? Yep. Okay, then let's begin. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Method to Madness podcast. Are you live or no? We are live. Oh. We are absolutely live right now. Uh, if people are watching, people are watching. If people aren't watching, eh, they'll just watch it. They'll listen to this on uh, what's it called? Uh, Spotify and on YouTube. So it's like not that big of a loss on it on anything like that. But I, this is a podcast where I get to interview a lot of comedians, actresses, and singers in Toronto to see how what makes them tick, to see what makes them think. And I'm actually really excited for my guest today. It is the beautiful and talented Jess Danda. Hi. Hi. So how like how's everything been so far? I'm wildly busy. I would imagine that. Uh, am I allowed to say what your uh, your outside career from all of this is? I don't really have an outside career. I would just say that I'm a hustler. <laughs> okay, I, so I you're a diva. I got a real estate license, and it's not what I thought it was going to be. So I still realize I still love acting and comedy way more, and I like being an artist. Doesn't everyone like? Real estate has its own perks. Um, you know, knowing how to invest your money and buying to grow your hand having financial wealth, which a lot of as artists don't have that information. Mm -hmm. And so that I'm very fortunate to like have owned a property, sold a property. And now I'm able to try to help other people and mm -hmm. other artists make those decisions and invest and grow their wealth so that, you know, they're not just relying on being an artist. No, oh, true. But like, I'd say like, because uh, you, you're kind of a salesman at the same time. You're trying to sell a house and trying. A salesperson. Yeah. I think I'm just good at talking to anybody anywhere because I practice that in my daily life anyway. I talk mm. to this person. I'm the one person that you don't want to meet at the grocery store or the airport or the subway because I'll end up chatting with you anyways. <laughs> so, uh, but, so you're just a natural talker, very extroverted. I think I'm making up for not talking like up till high school. Oh, so my mom says I think I'm making up for being a quiet kid okay like i feel that because like when i was younger like i was very quiet and shy but like when people started hearing me going then that was the whole thing and so like you like comedy you've liked acting so like how long have you been doing the acting i know that would be longer than your comedy um, i did my first play when i was in grade three mm -hmm. and i was a kid with asthma so i never played sports mm -hmm. and theater was like just I gravitated towards it and it kept me from coming home to do chores <laughs> so I um I, I I loved it it was fun but I, I never thought it was a career because like no one ever said that you got paid money I always thought rich white people acted <laughs> And because they acted for free because they had the money and they could do it. <laughs> okay. So... But like, I never saw anyone like me on TV <laughs> outside of Bollywood. Mm -hmm. And Bollywood also seemed like a closed off business because it's just, you know, generations mm -hmm. of family of family mm -hmm. of family. It's like a closed off business. And so like, I never thought that it was possible to be on TV. Just thought it was rich white people doing it. <laughs> so like, because like Bollywood was like, you felt it was like more of nepotism more than anything. No, I had no clue. How to... My parents, mm. my mom's an artist. I say she loves painting as mm -hmm. a hobby. No one in my family is an actor. Mm -hmm. Like no one that I know of is an actor or performer. Other than my brother, but I won't mention his name. Okay, no problem. But to respect him. I love him. Mm -hmm. Um... It it, it, it 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 being an artist is scary. 
when you're South Asian. It comes with its own complications mm-hmm. of like uncertainty and parents want you to have stability. They didn't come for this country for you to be like, throw away your life <laughs> and just, you know, be a homeless. Starving artist. Starving artist, whatever word. <laughs> I, I completely understand about that. Cause like, there's no one in my family that has like an art background as well. Yeah. Cause like, um, my like is very much the sciences and the and the maths and just also bollywood has a reputation mm-hmm. when i was a kid mm-hmm. like everybody who's anybody was like if you want to be a good indian girl mm-hmm. and find yourself a husband one day mm-hmm. you're not going to do bollywood mm-hmm. i'm like why not and it's like the sexual repression sexual repression mm-hmm. in the south asian community where it's taboo to talk about sex mm-hmm. so the only way the way my dad phrased it was like look Bollywood is prostitution. <laughs> okay? And if you want a good man, no one's going to marry you if you're an actress in India. It's like, okay? Like, is that your justification as to why I can't be a performer? So. It was just like, how do I like, India, Bollywood is hooking. And I'm like, I don't understand what you mean by hooking. I think he means like one night stands. I know what he means. I'm just saying the word hooking. No one uses that unless you're a fisherman. True. You're like hooking bait. <laughs> okay, so like that, your whole thing was just like basically to get out of chores and you want. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I did theater in grade three, but my first role was uh, I was a tree branch or mm-hmm. like a tree and I joined the choir. Um, but my parents were always encouraging me to do the performing arts because. Like, I did youth in growing up, mm-hmm. and we, my sister and I played harmonium, and we performed, like, Sikh hymns, and we sang mm-hmm. at the Gurdwaras across Ontario. We entered competitions through our uh, Gurdwara, and so I grew up with, like, music, and I grew up with youth, and I, my mom was very anal about us coloring within the lines when we were kids. We were those kids that could not scribble outside the lines in a coloring book. It had to be perfect. So my mom made sure that we colored within the lines and drew everything perfectly. Like, it's just, my mom was like, that was her one pet peeve. Like these kids where they have painting <laughs> on the walls and like hand painting, that would never fly with my mom. It sounds like obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> it's like if it you want to, to color, color within the lines. It has to be within the lines. So I'm like, she was, we were always concerned, like art, art, being an artist is like, mm-hmm. from, I get it from my mom, I would say. I don't think my dad has a creative bone in him. My dad thinks he's funny, though. I think in another lifetime, he would have been a comedian because he loves entertaining and making people laugh. But my mom's the artist in the family. Mm -hmm. And all her sisters, like, they do everything traditionally in India where you're, like, Mm -hmm. sewing, Mm -hmm. embroidery, and painting. And, you know, even food is an art for my mom. Mm -hmm. So I think my mom got gave us the artistry. And, like, when I was in, I ended up playing grade 8. I joined drama classes in grade six mm-hmm. um, as the president of Magic Club in high school and Video Club, and I made my first short films in high school. I directed my first short films. I was like, I filmed and edited on a massive, giant computer wall for VHS tapes back in the day, and I was the person with the camera. And I walked around the school with the camera, and I just videotaped all the events, all the ceremonies. I was part of the MC program. I was. Uh, a host. I loved giving speeches and mm-hmm. talking. I wasn't shy to talk. I also did voiceovers for the announcements in the morning. So like, I was always involved in school and I was very fortunate to be a part of the arts. We even competed with the Tobacco School of the Arts. And uh, it was in grade 10 or 11, my drama teachers say, 
Jazz Creed, I think that you should consider not acting. Cause I don't, I mean, that was her way of telling me I wasn't a good actor. Um, but I think it was just because I wasn't emotionally available because I was mm -hmm. so closed off. Because when you're Indian, you don't really talk about your emotions at home. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to have feelings. Like, it's like... Hear that, people? <laughs> no feelings. <laughs> if, like, if you're going to cry about something, it's like, what are you crying for? <laughs> Shut up, suck it up, and keep going. You know, like, there's no room mm. when you're a person of color to, like, fall flat on your face. Like, you pick yourself up and you keep going. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, so... That, my dad taught me that mentality. Like, you, you can fall flat on your face a thousand times. Don't let anybody see you, you stop and give up. Mm -hmm. Keep going. My, and I learned that from my dad. Like, he has so many failed businesses. And he's taught me how to hustle and work mm -hmm. hard. So I get that from him. But yeah, like, I, 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 I went to university for something completely different. Because I never thought I could be an actor. Okay, so, like... I'm just saying this because, like, you brought up, like, losing and falling and, like, being told no all the time. And, like, I wasn't told no, yeah. but, like, what does a white teacher in a high school of diversity mm. has a right to be like, no, you can't be an actor? Like, mm. I don't even know what acting is. I didn't even know if it could be a career. I think it's just sometimes people will gently either encourage you in that direction mm -hmm. or they won't. Mm -hmm. But I think that, like, I was always gravitated towards it. And I did have a media teacher who just gave me the keys to the camera and the sound equipment mm -hmm. and said, go film, mm -hmm. make whatever you want. And that allowed me the access to learn all the frames and angles of a camera, like a close-up, a medium close-up, how to put together a short film and edit it in high school. But I never thought it was a career. Mm -hmm. Again, I thought rich white people did in <laughs> just... front of the camera and behind the camera because no one like me looked like on anybody on TV. Mm. I also didn't grow up with Hollywood. I grew up with Bollywood. Mm -hmm. you know, I'd watch four Bollywood films every Sunday as a kid. MTV and all those channels were blocked for us. Anything with a little bit of skin showing, my dad blocked. <laughs> <laughs> a very conservative, like, immigrant family. Yeah, like, if there was any sort of hand-holding and talking, <laughs> fast-forward the scenes in the all okay. movies, so... I think she is describing the difference between a West Indian family and an East Indian family. I'm Punjabi, so... I know. Yeah, I'm Trinidadian. Yeah, no, we're completely opposite of you guys. Yeah, because, like, my dad literally just saw two people having sex and you just like stone faced it. I was six years old when this happened and you're just like... Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I didn't even know what sex looked like. And so probably university, so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, you had to learn that in the textbooks. <laughs> nope, yeah. nope, no. Again, it's a, a sex is taboo in India, right? Mm. Sexual repression where women don't explore their bodies or mm. it's not something we talk about and when you do, people get shyer about it and it's like this... It's like, it takes Bollywood back in the 90s mm. and the early 2000s, five minutes to make a, maybe a kiss. And then I it know. turns out to be a peck. It's like literally all those slow motion blurs. Like there's a whole song making fun of kissing. It's like, chuma, chuma, zara. <laughs> and like, that's far as they go. Like, it's just, even now they do have sex scenes, but you'll never see a topless South Asian woman mm -hmm. in a Bollywood film. It doesn't happen. Or bikinis. Mm hmm Right, so I grew up in a very conservative household, mm -hmm. but we, uh, my sisters and I, challenged all of the rules that my parents had or expectations of us growing up. So, getting back to like, yeah, I started in grade three and mm -hmm. I did it till high grade twelve. It took drama all the way to grade twelve from grade six. So I had, you know, introduction to Shakespeare, mm -hmm. 
um, film and TV and monologues and all of that stuff was taught to me, but I just never thought it was a career. Do, do you think all that stuff right now has helped you in your comedy? Like, it is like... Comedy is a different field, I, I would say. Yeah. I don't think that all actors can be comedians or all comedians can be actors. I agree. <laughs> I think it comes from a level of... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'll let you continue. No, 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 no. It's okay. You can, because I agree with you. Like, not all actors can be comedians. Not all comedians can be actors. Because, like, yeah. I, I have seen Chris Rock flub many a role. The irony is, I actually don't watch a lot of comedy. Yeah, you don't. Like, I know. Funny enough, like, people say like they've watched every single Netflix special out there. Or I don't. I've, I've watched you know bits of Kevin Hart mm -hmm. and Dave Chappelle. And um, a Vir Das mm -hmm. actually got to perform with Vir Das back in 2016. Um, that was a cool experience. Like that kid was already funny when I was like down there. Like I've performed in LA. I've performed mm -hmm. in Toronto. It's not my first day. I started comedy back in 2010. I know. And I took a break in 2016. I mm -hmm. just got back into it last year of November mm -hmm. for reasons. For reasons? Do you want to go into those reasons? Um, a friend of mine died. Oh, okay. Um, well, was diagnosed with a very severe illness, and mm -hmm. he's like one of my best friends, and he'd been doing comedy. I was like, I kept telling him, like, oh man, I used to do comedy back in the day, 2010, 2016. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, why aren't you anymore? And like everybody, anybody I talk to, mm -hmm. I'm a very blunt person. I'm very outspoken, mm -hmm. and I can be very brass. Like, I'm not saying that I'm cutthroat, but I say it how it is sometimes without thinking. And I'm also someone who wears her heart on her sleeve, so I'm like very open about everything. I don't hide a lot of stuff. So sometimes I say things like, like talk about sexuality or mm -hmm. personal experiences out loud to anybody anywhere, including strangers, mm -hmm. without a filter. And people kept telling me, like, you're really funny. I'm like, I don't think I'm funny. I'm like, I probably need to go to therapy, but I'm not paying for it. So comedy became my therapy. Um, because when you find out that one of your closest friends has cancer mm -hmm. and you don't know how long they have, and then a family member of yours also gets diagnosed with a terminal illness, the world starts crumbling around you. And I felt like two years in the pandemic, I didn't know who I was anymore. Like, I love acting, but acting wasn't in person anymore. There was mm -hmm. no physical contact. Everything's a self-tape. Mm -hmm. So I found a whole community in comedy and without even realizing it or asking for it. Mm -hmm. I still don't think I'm funny. I really don't. Do you? I think you are. Everyone around me thinks I'm funny. And maybe that's because I, because I don't think I think I'm funny, mm -hmm. I just get up there and I, I do my thing. But that's because to me it's still therapy, and I, feel like I have a lot of therapy to go through. So, and I'm up there just pouring my heart out to the audience with my stories, and a lot of those stories are just relatable to people, I think. And that's the message I've been getting from people is that they can relate to what I'm saying on a cultural level and a personal level. That's a very strong point because, like, uh, one of those things that you have to do in comedy is always like relate with your audience and make your stuff relatable. I try to. I know. But, like, the fact that you're not even trying is, like, steps ahead of most people. Like, and I'm just, like, sitting down here going, like, you, like, I think it's the thing, the reason why you don't think you're funny 
is because you're your own worst critic. No, because I wouldn't laugh at my own jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't. I laugh if I do crowd work. Like, I've picked on people in the audience. Um, but that's because I've told the same story at mm. every stage now over and over again. And sometimes I tell it differently. And sometimes I don't think I'm a true comic because mm. the comedians around me write their jokes down. And they look at me. Mm-hmm. And I just go up there. And I kind of wing it. And I don't tell that to a lot of comedians anymore because I feel like. I feel like a fake and they're like what you don't write your jokes down you didn't think about this I'm like I tend not to do a lot of thinking anymore (laughs) (laughs) I tend to just do but you know what that's fair because everyone has their own recipe I don't think it's a recipe I think it's therapy you know when you go to see your therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist they ask you questions and Mm -hmm. you're literally telling this complete stranger something Mm -hmm. and they're maybe just not even writing things down and sketching behind their ipad or something you know but to do it in front of an entire audience Mm -hmm. and to be feel completely naked Mm -hmm. and let your heart and soul pour out on that stage through a story Mm -hmm. that my trauma is funny kind of just heals the trauma it is. It makes you feel like you can actually overcome it. You know? So, like, I'm starting to think, like, maybe all the comedians are just depressed. I don't think I'm depressed. I think just, I got, I've grown up with a lot, of a lot of... I'm ripping the band-aid off on a lot of things. All comedians are depressed. We all have, like, I forget... I don't like that word. Yeah, I know. I just don't like the word depression. Yeah. I feel like we put labels on everything. Why can't we just tell stories? Exactly. And it's the other thing, too. Like, you're right, like... I don't like labels on things like, what was it? This older comedian, I forget his name. I completely forget it. He told me this. He's like, being like, everything has a word now. Back in the day, we just did it as it was. I think it's just, if people did things with passion behind it, you would feel, it would come out naturally. Exactly. Let me just see here what we can go to the next subject. So basically you you kind of killed two birds with one stone there so that what got you in the comedy was just basically the therapeutic not the first time around not the first time around was first time around i just my mom has this joke she's like you come home and you the mom call like it's like eat their brain Mm -hmm. it's like why don't you go annoy other people Mm -hmm. and i'm like my mom always says i never had a place to just talk Mm -hmm. and like get all of this stuff off my chest and so I, I just, I, one day, a friend of mine was like, I heard about comedy. And I'm like, so you guys just pull a name out of a bucket? And they're like, yeah, and this is 2010. Mm-hmm. So we're at a local bar and they had invited me out to this comedy thing. And I was like, cool, I'll, I'll come check it out. Got a beer, went on stage, and I talked. I didn't know that there was a light back then. Like, <laughs> you I just kept talking the first time around. And I kept talking. And I think I talked for a good 20 minutes and the audience was just laughing and it was like seven people in the room. And there's, I don't know what happened in that moment. I was like, I like this. Mm-hmm. This feels easy. I can just get up here and talk and these people are forced to listen to me. This is powerful. Mm-hmm. I like the superpower. Mm-hmm. I get to talk and these people have to sit there and listen and they pay to come listen or buy a drink. This is awesome. <laughs> I like this. I can keep doing this. And so I did. I kept 
just doing mic after mic. A friend of mine, Michael Harrison, he's a really funny comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, I had met him uh, doing background work when I first started acting. How I got into acting was a whole other one. It's a card story. Um, and you... Michael was like, you need to hit up open mics. And I was like, all right, cool. So I hit up a few mics with him. And then like, I, back then I think without like Facebook and all these groups that you have now today, it, it just comedy feels like a close-knit group sometimes to me Mm -hmm. and sometimes it feels like they only let some people into the clique and not other people because they think that you haven't paid your dues and i don't believe in that i think that if you have talent Mm -hmm. i don't care if you're an actor comedian rapper or singer Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay your dues just do it yeah i agree with that too it's just more lines of like if you're good, you're just good. You're just good, you're good. Yeah. Because people will resonate with you and the audiences will want to see you again. Mm-hmm. And, but you're also humble enough to be like, yeah, I still have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. And these people have years on me in perfecting their, but maybe what they've done in five years, I can do in a year and why not? Mm-hmm. Right? Like make, why does it have to take five years? Why can't it take a year? Why is there a timeline to begin with anyway? Mm-hmm. There's no rule or Bible for comedy that says, you have you have to do five years you know what i mean there's like, nothing it, it's not like being a doctor it's like you can't just show up at a hospital like yo i'm gonna do brain surgery today you know you can't you can't i don't even know what nerves connect where like i just be like this is your brain <laughs> massage your head and maybe fix it but i can't I don't, i'm not a doctor mm-hmm. i'm not gonna show up and do open heart surgery on someone that i don't i don't go to school for this mm-hmm. i don't i barely will know what to do when i have a headache and the thing about comedy is that there's no right way of doing it but there's a whole bunch of wrong ways but there's also like what do you mean like how like what i mean by like doing it the wrong way is like you're going out of your depth way too soon like in certain certain subject matter like, think of it like going to the gym and lifting weights. No, why? Because, like, how do I explain this? So what subject matter? Like, what subject matter? Like, if, like, someone makes, like, an LGBT joke or someone makes, like... Um, Isn't it all experimental? It's all experimental. And it's it, subjective? It's all subjective, too. I say that, and I say that with, like, I agree that anyone should go and try anything. If it's on not sh- coming from a hateful place. Yes, exactly. I, I feel like the whole world has become too sensitive it to is. comedy. Um... Be respectful, mm-hmm. be kind. If you're up there and you're just discriminating mm-hmm. and hating mm-hmm. and racial profiling, there are spaces for you to do that in, mm-hmm. in your home, in a closet, maybe <laughs> um, or start a podcast event, but... Not on this podcast. <laughs> I don't agree. I think that if you want to aim for the moon and fall mm-hmm. for the clouds, you can. I know. It, it's, I agree with what you're saying. I 100% agree. It's not like... I'm saying, like, it's kind of one of those things that, like, when you're trying things out, like, you don't know how to pace a joke at the beginning. Like, for, for example... I, I can't relate to that. I know. Like, when it comes to me, like, mine's very... I'm very structured. You're very, like, off the cuff and go. I'm a spontaneous person who'll just jump on a plane and leave tomorrow and not think about what, where, when, or how. I just go with the... I world. admire that so much. Because, like, I, I'm very structured in my thinking and everything. Like, it has to go, like... I have to go point yeah. by point by point. But that's what I mean by like, I don't exactly know the pace. I didn't, like, there was a joke that I made earlier in my career. I'm still going to make it. It's in my back burner. 
and I don't want to say it right now because it's kind of... I think people are too rigid and they realize that yeah. life is about ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like driving. You learn how to drive with the rules and the stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you're too slow on the highway, mm-hmm. you can easily get hit by a car. Exactly. Trying to change lanes. Now, if you're too fast, you can also get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. But there's like a flow that you find. Once you've driven your car, like for example, my car I've had over six years now, mm-hmm. I know every single sound that she makes. <laughs> and if there's like anything wrong, I can pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Because like I've driven it. For that long. So, mm-hmm. In terms of your comedy, I'm just saying that mm-hmm. the more you do, the more, mm-hmm. you know, the more you try and fall. Like my dad, mm-hmm. you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. One joke lands today and how it doesn't land next week. Mm-hmm. And I just got to learn how to switch it on you the switch, Yeah. And that's the thing, like, it's a constantly evolving art. You always keep changing it. On the... I have no clue. Again, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. I'm just... but, that, but that's fine. Like, it's like, I'm I... just ambitious. You're just ambitious, and I love that ambition, and it's actually really good. And I'm glad that you're actually explaining all this and how you're thinking and all that. Because, like, it, there are many different ways of coming at it, and yours ways is just, like, like that. My ways is my way, but I'm also not new to it. Like, the mm-hmm. first few times I did it yes I talked a lot mm-hmm. was it funny maybe for a few people when I play it back today I'm like what were you thinking and it's taken seven years for one joke to finally start resonating like but I I was in LA in 2014 mm-hmm. 2016 and I just hit up mics I went to flappers um as recently in Los Angeles last year when I had just gotten into comedy and I hit up Hollywood Improv mm-hmm. and I hit up uh, the Laugh Factory, and I literally just went up to people and asked questions like, "Hey, when it, where can I go do this? What can I do with this?" You ask the right questions, mm-hmm. the, the world will align around you to get you there. Uh, yeah. And I met Neil Nanda in twenty of last year actually at a comedy show, and I hadn't started comedy yet. This was July of last year, mm-hmm. and I a friend of mine had I got to see Ali Wong perform in this like oh, God, underground club. Yeah. It's all these celebrities that come and do like open mm-hmm. mic mm-hmm. in this underground club in Manhattan Beach. And all these celebrity people were performing that you they are on Netflix and mm-hmm. you see their face and Ali Wong came up and I was like, huh. Why are you here? <laughs> she's she's hilarious. She is. And she's short. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, I'm short like that too. And a friend of mine was telling him like, I used to do comedy. He's like, why'd you stop? I'm like, oh, I don't know, life happened. Acting over comedy, he's like, why can't you do both? He's like, well, there's an open mic night happening at this guy's house next month, the mm. next week. If you're still in town, you want to hit it up? I was like, sure. So I prepared. Look, my way of doing things is making bullet list of mm. things, and I know only I know what that bullet joke means. Mm-hmm. My brain knows it like a grocery list. And so I was prepping it, and the guy wouldn't let me go on. I'm like, one day, sir, I'm gonna come back here in five years or three years. And you're going to let me go up and perform because you don't know who I am today, but mm-hmm. you will. Because he said no to me because he's like, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you perform. I don't think you're funny. I'm like, you won't know if I'm funny if you don't let me go exactly. up. Um, and I'm out of, out of town. I fly back to Canada next week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, isn't this an open mic? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized like he's just power tripping. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, there's no... Also, this one of my biggest, I think... There's not a lot of women of color in comedy mm-hmm. or women in general in comedy. Like all these shows that I've been hitting up and the mics that I've been doing, I like that one token brown girl or one woman just there in comedy. 
and I'm starting to see more women do it, and mm. it's exciting. And I'm so happy that more women and women of color are doing comedy at the open mics and shows across North America, mm. and it's really exciting. Like what I will say this like one of the strongest comedians in uh, all of Toronto I'd say is uh, Hannah Valdoon. She's like I, she still has those jokes that just make me fall on the floor laughing because one of them was a medical joke and I just kind of like died. I'm like, why the fuck would you know that? <laughs> yeah, and that's where I feel like the comedy is yeah. kind of closed off. And mm-hmm. I met Neil there, and mm-hmm. I hadn't I didn't know who Neil Nanda was at the mm-hmm. time. And, you know when you promise someone to something before you even know how to do it? He was like, yo, man, I'd love to do a show in Toronto. I'm like, dude, make I was so naive in how to run a show. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I can help you with that. <laughs> how hard is it to run and produce a comedy show? Oh, my God. And he's like, we just need a venue. I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, Russell Peters is Massey Hall. Why can't you do Massey Hall? We could do Massey Hall. And, like, I just pr- I promised to deliver. And months went by. But also, like, I went, I emailed Yuck Yucks and I got to go up the, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? If Russell Peters can do Massey Hall, why can't you? Yeah, why not? I don't get why that's so funny. Because, like, you're shooting for the freaking, like, you're like, there's not Everest. How about the moon, though? Yeah, why not? Like, with, like... Of like uh, that ambition that you have is Listen, just like if you aim to walk, <laughs> you crawl first anyways. Right? I know. Like my mom always tells me, sometimes she thinks that I I learned to walk before I could even crawl. So I I'm ambitious like my dad, like I said. So but uh, but sometimes you honestly, I believe sometimes you say things without I say things without thinking, mm-hmm. and I'm also coming from a naive place. So I was like. Yeah, sure, dude. I can help you, like, make a show in Toronto. Yeah. Like, Yo, that'd be so dope, because my manager can't hook me up with it. I also did not know that Neil Nanda had done Jimmy Kimball and all these other shows before. So I was just like, dude, you're funny. Yeah, let's bring you to Toronto. Like, how hard could it be like, to get to a venue? And I was coming from the mentality that mm-hmm. I used to be a classical Indian dancer. I used mm-hmm. to Kathak. And my dance teacher put up shows at the National Ballet School of Canada. Mm-hmm. And all these other theater places and i'm also coming from an acting background mm-hmm. so i've seen friends put up the fringe plays i've seen friends do plays how hard could it to be produce a comedy show right mm-hmm. so i was like yeah sure dude i can do it <laughs> and then months went by and then my friend got sick and i was like why am i not getting into comedy he's like yeah you keep saying it do it mm-hmm. it's like yeah man if your dos has a netflix special already imagine where i could have been if i hadn't quit comedy back in 2016 mm-hmm. like I opened the show at this like random bar cafe in Los Angeles and then Veer Das performed and the guy was hilarious. And to see him have a Netflix special and to be opening in a cricket stadium, this guy is more ambitious than I am. He wants to open in front of a cricket stadium in front of an entire audience. Where in India or? Yeah. Oh shit. Like that's, he's going on a world tour. Like I think it's a third world tour. But that's the level, if that's possible, mm-hmm. why not? I'd love to do that. I'm not there yet, but we'd all love one to do day. That. No, I'm like, why not in two years? Like, mm-hmm. ha- like I'm not, I'm like, not trying to be Beyonce, but I'm just saying. No, like, be Beyonce. Go for it. <laughs> but I'm just like, why not aim high and fall flat? But at least you still landed in the clouds. Mm-hmm. You don't even have ambition to try to get up to do something. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. Sometimes, like, I'm, not, I never went into comedy with, 
oh, yo, I'm going to be famous from it. I still don't think I'm funny. I still don't think I'm going to have a Netflix special. It'd be nice to, but I don't think I'm going to. Because it's not a career for me. Like, I love it. I don't know where it's going. Acting is my priority, and I love it. Comedy is, like, my porn. Like, I get off on it. Like, there's... It's a high. Oh my. I get high on stage from it naturally. Like, I don't do pot, but when I'm on that stage, Mm -hmm. I don't know what happens to me, but I'm there, I'm connected, and it's like magic. It's like that white light just hits you, and you're just like, what? You just go? It's it's like this feeling. I don't know how to explain it. Like, when I'm in front of the camera, Mm -hmm. I'm there. I'm home. I feel at home. Mm. I'm. It's scary how comfortable I am on the stage. Like, it's a little scary. I get up there, I'm like, yup, it's like riding a bike. And I know not everyone can ride a bike, but mm-hmm. to me, when I'm on that stage, it's like, huh. I feel like like a friend of mine says, I'm in my element. And I didn't know that it could feel this good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I don't know where the journey of comedy is going to take me, but it's... So I did end up producing the show for Neil Nanda. That was my first production. Can you believe, like, the first show I ever produced? With the help of another comedian, my friend. Uh, so because like with comedy being such a small circle, mm-hmm. I was hitting up five to uh, four to five open mics every single day for like six weeks. Shit. When I first started, I went hard, and it was nice because it's the Christmas holidays and mm-hmm. like not a lot of comedians are in town, mm-hmm. so it's quiet. So you can literally go every day. I met every single open mic. I met every single co- comedian who ran those shows during the holidays, and I got an opportunity to like my first performance was at. Um, it's Brett's place on Saturdays, and I me- I messaged every single person on Instagram. Hey, where can I do comedy? Where can I do comedy? I messaged everybody. I think I messaged like fifty people in one night. And Moose, Moose Christmas. In Christmas. He's yeah. like, uh, there's no comedy here tonight, but I know that Brett's place on Saturdays has comedy. Do you want to go there? It was dumpster fire, right? Dumpster fire, yeah. and I ended up doing fifteen minutes mm-hmm. just talking, and I should have recorded that. So that was my first set in like since 2016. And I just talked, and everyone was on the floor laughing. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm just talking about vibrators and tampons and sex. My comedy has become very adult comedy, I think, in the sense that I'm I'm learning my voice Mm -hmm. in comedy, which I didn't know what it was until recently, which is about women's empowerment. Mm -hmm. If I went to India, they would just kick me out of the country because, like, I'd be teaching women about sexual freedom. <laughs> why can't we talk about the thing that we invented, the Kama Sutra? Like, why? <laughs> you could bring that up so much. Like, I do, though, <laughs> and it's about sexual freedom. Like, So, yeah, like, I hit up all the mics as much as I could, and that's where I had met Ashwin mm-hmm. on open mic night. Not an open mic night. A friend of mine was in town, mm-hmm. Mike, and Ashwin had just finished a show, and he was sitting around, and I just... Again, I talk to anybody anywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm a little too bold, so I was like, hey, you're a comedian. I had no idea who Ashwin was at this time, and I'm like, I'm like I would really want to know, like, how did you end up doing all this, and like, blah, blah, blah. So I followed him on IG, I asked him a bunch of questions, we met up for chai, jaw, for chai, mm-hmm. and he's, he's, he's probably upset because I took him for vegan chai, which apparently isn't real chai, but I like oat milk because I'm lactose intolerant. So we had job, we talked about it, and while we were, I was driving back into his place, I mentioned Neil Nanda and organizing a show for him, mm-hmm. and he's like, I work on shows all the time, I can help you. 
and the light bulb went off like that's it he can help me do something i've never done before mm-hmm. which is produce a show for one of the biggest hottest upcoming comedians in los angeles mm-hmm. from atlanta and that's where it started and like we called comedy bar and emailed and got a spot and i ended up opening for mm-hmm. neil ashwin performed ashwin got a couple other comedians on board mm-hmm. and we did two shows almost sold out 150 capacity for two nights in a row and i had done what i didn't think was possible i promised to deliver something and i did even though at the moment i was like i just promised somebody a ferrari and i don't know if i can get a ferrari but i did so, you gave him the ferrari yeah and it was a great show somehow ended up being all brown people but it, the audience he killed the show ashwin killed the show too yeah. ashwin's hilarious oh yes. neil's hilarious and it was nice to be like yo i i just helped co-produce the show mm-hmm. if i can do it once why not do it again so there's a little addiction there of being on stage but also being able to give other comedians an outlet to do a show in front of an entire audience mm-hmm. there's something fun about it oh absolutely like because like you're getting all those people together and they're all having a good time and you you're getting that natural high from it yeah. as you said because like Again, i apologize i've been talking for so long like you ask a question i go on a rant it's no problem this is what i want because i want you, I, like this is why i want to make this show happen is because it makes people like you get get on a soapbox it makes people understand why they have to care about you and care about i what's... don't care if anyone cares about me I, i'm not in it or in this business for others to recognize me or care for me minute for my own artistry and that's mm-hmm. where it's selfish right like this is the one thing that i'm doing for myself that no one can take away from me and that's beautiful isn't it yeah yeah you know like i'm not working my nine to i've had over 75 different jobs what yeah that's a different story too <laughs> You're fired i just sounded like tim allen there for a second <laughs> like home improvement oh yeah you, you didn't grow up with i watched it i just didn't know his name again yeah. Pop culture is not my biggest forte. 90s. I could never win uh, Jeopardy. Uh, I'm the opposite of you. Like, everyone says, why don't you go on Jeopardy, man? My brain farts everything out. It doesn't remember anything that's not important or relevant to me. Okay, so, like, uh, apart from that, like, this is... I, I have another question. And you said you don't really watch a lot of comedy, but like this question is a broad stroking. Well, I plan on it now that I'm really, I've been at it hardcore. Like, I don't say like, Mm -hmm. I've been at it head first for the last six months Mm -hmm. and I've done over 20 shows already, Mm -hmm. book shows. And I've done over, I'd say more than 200 times, like open mics worth of times I've done it. And Mm -hmm. it's time I probably watch some good comedy. just to see them and understand but here's the scary thing i was on chat gpt mm-hmm. and i was like hey chat gpt write me a joke inspired by dave Chappelle's style and it did yeah and it was funny i was like fuck i don't know if i can say fuck. you can say fuck i don't actually see the one thing when i got into comedy yeah. i started swearing less because i watched my playback and i noticed like a lot of comedians just use the effort a lot mm. and i was like words have so much power mm-hmm. so let me be selective with the words i use so you get the same point across without saying you can fudge this fudge that right so no you can say fuck on here all all you want i don't care why am i gonna swear in english when i can swear in punjabi you can you can do it i don't yeah, I, i'd rather swear in punjabi then swear in punjabi like i don't care to <laughs> <laughs> like this um this this 
This podcast is explicit for a reason. <laughs> I would rather, honestly, I swear in Punjabi a lot more than I swear in English. And it's crazy because I grew up with over, I grew up with over 200 languages mm. at my high school. And I grew up with Jamaicans and Italians and Chinese and Caribbean. Like, I grew up with everybody. Mm-hmm. Indians, Gujaratis. And the amount of accents that I can do now because I can pick up on them. I started to incorporate them into my jokes now as well. And the response has been really good with me doing my accents. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that point. My brain just farted. No, it's... Oh, that... <laughs> the, uh, like the black people I grew up with, <laughs> they know what the swear words in Punjabi are. Because you just it's buy like, an osmosis from it's you. Like, it's like they, they all grew up with Punjabi people. Like I would say Punjabi people culturally are closer to black people in terms of music swearing <laughs> oh, God. well like in terms of rap like our music is mostly alcohol boobs mm. girls yeah. like that's what most of our music is about right it's about love and whatever so. you will see the greatest mixture of that in soca trust me yeah but music is a little fast sometimes like if you play punjabi music yeah. next to like a, a good rap song yeah or like r&b song like when you're on the streets in la people like look twice like what, what was that beat mm-hmm Right? And it's so nice to see, like, Diljeet out there making music in Los Angeles now and bringing that culture off. So, so back to, like, the comedy part, yeah. like, Surya Punjabi is so much better. And even, like, anybody who's not Punjabi knows that, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I was just going to say this. Since, like, you don't, you want to get more into comedy, like, is there anything? I already am. I know, like, I mean, like, when, like watching it. And, oh, and just... I plan on watching a lot more, like, yeah. it's... You know, when you're doing comedy, acting, mm-hmm. and you're auditioning, and you're cooking and being fit. Like, I go to the gym right now with my dad every day. Mm-hmm. My dad's more excited about the gym than I am. <laughs> I've been seeing your Instagram stories. I'm like, yeah. that guy looks, he looks so excited to go everything. He is. Honestly, it's been really wonderful for his mental health. Mm-hmm. And he's up at, like, 5 in the morning, meditating, doing his breathing exercises. And by 7 o'clock, he's outside for a walk. His pre-workouts before his workout. Like, the man's an inspiration to me. He'll call me at 7 o'clock, are you dressed yet? Did you even put on your clothes or your shoes yet? I'm outside dating. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> but, yeah. And then we're at the gym at 8 o'clock, and we're working out, and we're done at 9, and we come home, and it's giving me structure and routine, mm-hmm. and he's inspiring. He's inspiring because I do believe that dedication, mm-hmm. persistence, and a routine, it doesn't matter what field you're mm-hmm. in, you pers- persevere with persistence mm-hmm. and the more you do something the better you get at it and that's the same thing for comedy mm-hmm, exactly because like uh like as everyone says like it, doing those open mics is like going to the gym yeah it's 100 it, yeah and i don't care if mm-hmm. comedians laugh or they don't laugh because mm-hmm. i'm not there for them mm-hmm. i'm there for hear my voice mm-hmm. and i feel like i think better out loud mm-hmm. so when i'm in front of the mic in front of people i think faster on my feet mm-hmm. And the jokes start resonating. Ideas start pouring out. Because, like, uh, you're at that... You're past the wall that I'm at. Because, like, I have to try... Like, it's the same thing. Like, this this comedian named Liam Kelly. He says, like, I get in my head way too often. And, like... And I th- I'm too worried on what people think of what's... I, I'm also talking to people in the buses. Like, I don't care what people think. Yeah. Like, no, when it comes to my jokes, like... As a right, me and you going right now, I really don't care. <laughs> but like, if it's like yeah. when it comes to like actual like, here is my idea, and let me try and convey that idea. Then that's what because like 
in my in some weird twisted way that's kind of like my baby you know what i mean yeah but it's a gym it's you know you st- my dad started off 10 pounds 10 pounds mm-hmm. for three weeks mm-hmm. he's now in the fourth week he's doing 50. six like he's worked his way up mm-hmm. you know and he did not care that he was the one guy at the gym only pushing 10 pounds mm-hmm. and i was doing more than him mm-hmm. But that didn't happen overnight for me. That took two years, like boxing and mm-hmm. biking and building my muscles up slowly. Um, so, yeah, like comedy is patience and persistence. Mm-hmm. So is film and TV. I would say that both of those things are easier than real estate. <laughs> real estate is harder than acting. I would comedy. imagine. I would imagine. No, because in those business, you mm-hmm. hardly ever hear the word no directly to your face. Mm-hmm. As a real estate agent doing door knocking yeah. you hear the word directly when they slam the door in your face <laughs> or they cuss at you and it's like it's like actual rejection versus <laughs> silent rejection mm-hmm. so. uh, but like i was gonna say like so what exactly who exactly inspires you in your comedy and saying most likely your dad is in, in your persistence is what's more... uh, my comedy comes from real life stories mm-hmm like i should probably care about that people so not all of my to be clear mm-hmm. and so this doesn't bite me in the butt in the future not all of my comedy comes from true stories mm-hmm. it's a shush but thing. it is 90 percent inspired by real life stories mm-hmm. and i think that the best material comes from what you can resonate or relate with mm-hmm. because if it's relatable to you then it's relatable for other people okay because like how was I gonna say this? Like, for example, like, it you want that? What's what I'm looking for? You want it to be very relatable and all that. So like, I don't want anything. Again, I go up there and I just talk. Yeah, and because uh, like, um, what I mean by like inspirations, like it doesn't even have to be like comedic inspirations. Like for me, like I flow my stuff like in a fl- way like a rap. So like I'm very inspired by like two. Tupac- you say rap? I actually have one rap song <laughs> that I've ever done. Uh, my inspiration just comes from life. Life? Just like it could be from anything and anywhere at all at anything once? Anything that I happen to go through, therapy, is my. <laughs> it's selfish. I go up on there to be like, you need to listen to my problems up here. I don't care about your problems. Because, like, like, I've done that too. Like, it's just like everything that I'm doing on there yeah. is just basically my thought patterns. But I'm also more comfortable if the audience doesn't laugh. Because I'll be like, you know I'm giving... You can laugh at that joke. Yeah. It's not racist. Yeah. You white people here think that what I'm saying might be racist if you laugh. This is a safe space. You're welcome to laugh. <laughs> and then they laugh. I'm like, wow, I just commanded an entire audience to laugh. <laughs> it's like monkey dance. Okay. Command you to laugh. Oh, just give me a second. I'm just trying to look at my time. Okay. We, we... You are not wrong. <laughs> You, I give you like one little tiny thing and you just run off with it. We're already 40 minutes in and we're not even halfway through my questions. <laughs> let me get all of them already. Practically, let me check. Uh, so, because you already said, like, my what? My friend uh, Natasha says I like to talk. My parents say the same thing. Like, cause, like, th- that's the thing. Like, you already said, like, where, what do you want your comedy to say? You want it's a very much female empowerment and, like, you it's, want. It's salvation empowerment. Yes. Yeah. You want no, man, our parents like I'm an immigrant. I came here when I was four, mm-hmm. four and a half, and I'm not Indian enough for Indians, and I'm not Indian enough for white people, and I'm not even Indian enough for Indians living here. So like, 
where do I fit in? And it's tough. And, you know, you grew up with different cultures. Like my parents are very conservative. The rest of my university was wild and sexually open. And then there's a whole LGBTQ and gay and lesbian community. And then there's a community that is, you know, very nerdy that I grew up with. So like, I didn't know where I fit in. And it was really hard to figure out where I fit in. And then when I became an actor and I was like, everyone's just like, you're weird. I grew up with everyone calling you weird. And I was like, huh, I'm weird because <laughs> do I talk to myself? I do talk to myself a lot. I spend a lot of time with my own thoughts because I drive a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I live really far from the city. So I'm oftentimes in traffic. If I'm not listening to a podcast, mm -hmm. I'm usually thinking. Mm -hmm. I love being able to drive in silence. People find it very I awkward. thought I was the only one. <laughs> no, because like, when I, I used to drive for one of those uh. car services, I'm not going to say which one, um, maybe all of them. But one of the female drivers, yeah. like, I've also been a chauffeur, it was one of the other jobs I've had mm -hmm. for a celebrity, drove one of rapper in Toronto around to like different studios. But I got tired of listening to the radio. Mm -hmm. And then just one day when I quit that job, I just turned the radio off and I was like, oh my gosh, I pulled the plug and mm. I could just hear my thoughts. And then thoughts started drowning out and I could just sit comfortably in my silence mm -hmm. and alone. And I wouldn't even notice the traffic. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like this peacefulness that exists. And then now I can turn the music back on. Mm -hmm. and I'm not anxious. I'm fine with it or with it off. It's fine. So. I, I know what you're talking about. It's like kind of like that sense of well-being that like you you have that peace because because yeah. well, you're just weird because you're talking to yourself in the car. Most times I'm actually just learning lines while I'm driving as safely as I can for <laughs> acting auditions. I learn my lines the best while I'm driving because it's the safe. It's the safest space. I feel safe. It's like my four walls mm -hmm. because I live in a house with like seven eight people mm -hmm. when i was growing up i lived in a house with 20 people i don't know what privacy is like privacy is not a word that exists when you live in a house with 20 people and but oh you lived in one of those houses i understand what you're well, talking about all your aunties and uncles yeah, exactly yeah like a brother and sister like everybody i grew up with everybody my house was my house was like like a hostel <laughs> like literally mm -hmm. and when i even when i went to university I could never live alone. I needed to be around people. I studied the best in busy environments. I functioned the best with busy environments. Um, even now that I live at home with my folks, it's, mm -hmm. I get, I, I function the best in loud, crowded environments. But when I want to work on something that I think people might judge me for, even though I say I don't care what mm -hmm. anybody thinks, when it comes to my art and I'm still working on it, whether it's my comedy or acting, I lock myself in my car and it's my safe space and where's where I can be me. If I lived on my own, it'd probably be my own apartment, right? But mm -hmm. I don't have that luxury. And so me and my car, it's my safe space and I have the windows up and I can learn my lines out loud in whatever accent I want. And it's so <laughs> great that everyone has Bluetooth headphones now. So no one thinks I'm crazy and talking to myself. I just look like I'm talking to somebody on the phone. I'm the opposite. Like, I just talk to myself in the car all the time. <laughs> no, I'm usually working my jokes in my head or working on, like, my lines and going over them. So, like, that, a lot of my best work is done in my car before mm -hmm. I ever get to stage because I have 45 minutes to prep when I'm driving there. I don't need the music. I just need my own voice in my, in my head. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll talk out loud and practice it. Or I'll listen to some of my clips on the radio and listen to playbacks, old playbacks to refresh. But that's my safe space, so. I don't know where, what was the question that you asked? I got off topic. It's no problem. Like, this is like, I'm getting the inner workings of your mind, and it's actually, like, really fascinating. I'm, I love it. Ooh, I'm not a science experiment. You're not a science experiment, but it's just like, uh, technically, aren't we all? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Technical level. Because, like, I was just saying that we really went through what your comedy wanted to say, and you said you wanted more South Asian, like, empowerment. I think that's what it's becoming, but mm-hmm. I don't, I have no clue. Again, it's a lot of my context comes from personal experiences, so. And you already said where you want to take this. You want to have one day that Netflix special. You don't think you're going to get it, but you'd want it. You want It'd to. It'd be cool to have just to be like, yo, I do a Netflix special, but. I don't really care if mm-hmm. I don't get it. Is it? Cause it's not gonna make or break my. Mm-hmm. Like I know there's some comedians who want that. Like that's their dream. But again, I don't think I'm funny. I am not doing this to get fame. Mm-hmm. This is like, you know how people go clubbing. Yeah. I go clubbing on stage to my comedy. Like. I don't know how to explain it. It's I, I feel free. It's like I'm dancing, but dancing with my words. It's therapeutic, mm. it's meditative. I'm in a trance. I'm connected to the audience and I'm just in flow. And I feel the same with my acting as well. Like I love acting because I'm not saying that I don't love myself. I do, but getting to play other people and putting on other shoes and exploring other lives that mm-hmm. I've never lived is fun. And mm-hmm. I think I just love storytelling in general, whether it's through comedy or through acting and through me comedy i don't think i'm funny because i feel like i'm just telling stories Mm -hmm. and if my stories make you laugh and they make you feel something that's great um i'm not in it for the whatever reasons that everybody else has i know a lot of my comedian friends want that special and Mm -hmm. they i've also learned you can make really good money with comedy you can I was like, wait, why am I struggling trying to be a homeless real estate agent on the side when I could just be doing comedy shows? So that's kind of cool. But again, what I would love more than a Netflix special is to be a lead on a movie or TV series, like, you know, with actors like, or even a Marvel. And I would love to do a Marvel film or one of those superheroes, like Kick-Ass. Yeah. Oh, Kick-Ass is an amazing movie. Oh, I love that. I was just talking about just being able to kick people's asses. Like, how many brown people just get to, like, go around beating people up and saving the world? Other than Miss Marvel. Let me think here. Brown people doing that. Well, Priyanka <laughs> Chopra did it in... What was that movie? I don't know. She did this FBI show. Priyanka Chopra's definitely made waves in mm. cinema for South Asian women. and It's awesome. And I would just like to see more leading ladies in South Asian... And she's breaking cultural stereotypes where she's not just playing typical characters that have anything to do with being brown. She's just playing a character. Mm-hmm. Living life. Because I, just because I'm Indian doesn't mean I sit and like smell like curry and chutney <laughs> walking down the street. Like, and you don't make your roti, you'll never get married. It's not that. It's, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm saying like if Joe and Heather can walk down the street and just be Joe and Heather... Mm-hmm. And they're North American. Yeah. I'm closer to North American culture than I am to Indian mm-hmm. culture, right? Like Ashwin is like Ashwin comedian. Yeah. Ah, uh, Harv the comedian, the Timbit guy. What's his name? Punjabi Timbit. Yeah, those. Uh, so other comedians in Toronto, like those guys are actually from India and mm-hmm. they immigrated here at a later age. Like they can resonate closer to India than I can. Mm-hmm. Like I can't resonate with India. I went to India and I was like, 
Mom, why are people shitting on the street? Like, <laughs> but like, India's a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. But there are things about that country make me feel insecure because I feel like it's still a male-dominated country. Mm-hmm. And certain parts of India are great for women. I just, I, I was told I constantly had to be with a male, a company. And I'm like, what are we living in, like, 18th century all of a sudden again? So... I'm more Canadian and American mm. than I am to being able to relate to Indians. Like, I can't be that shy, sidi sabi ladki that brings tea to the table for a matchmaking ceremony, you know? Like, mm. the rich stuff, like, I, I can't, I'm not that. I'm a complete opposite. My mom's like, if anybody ever came for chai to meet you, they wouldn't even drink the chai, they would just leave because you would scare them away. Like, like you'll run away. <laughs> I'm not it's running funny, away. I'm like, right why, here. <laughs> why do I serve them tea? I serve them coffee because I can make coffee. And why would we have an arranged marriage like? <laughs> oh, she's going down that road. Yeah, I forget you're not brown. Okay. I am brown. What the? What the, what the? Got on the wrong boat, man. Okay, okay. They when the boat came, we went on. Okay, but there's a whole different story, and I'm making a bit about that one because it's actually. It's okay. A friend of mine told me those because you guys came as laborers. Yeah. But I was like. Did you know you were laborers or were you slavery? Like, did you know which it was? Okay, you know? let me go on the story about this one, why my family <laughs> came here. Okay. What, what time is it? Oh, it's Yeah, it's okay. Like, just let me know. We can wrap this up whenever you want. Yeah, what else? Do you have any other thing else? No, I, I'll go into the story of why I my family came here. Edit it in. Okay, edit it in. Okay, I- never mind. Okay, I'll talk about uh, it's a bit that I'm gonna do on a show anyway. So you know what? I'm not gonna do that. But we'll end it off with this. Plug your stuff. Like, what? Where do people want to find you? Do you what? Have any other questions? No, no. Just answered all of them. You answered okay. every single one in lightning succession without me bringing them up. <laughs> uh, what, what was the question? Sorry. Okay, just plug your stuff. Like, what shows are you doing? Where do people find you? Where do people see you? Uh. Just go to IMDb for the list of credits for acting, I guess. I, I feel, I get so uncomfortable when people ask me what credits I have under Not my what credits, like what you're doing now. Well, what am I doing now? I try not to be unemployed times three, which is in my comedy. Okay. Uh, the writers are on strike, so <laughs> acting's kind of like on stagnant. Comedy, I just, it's really nice when people just ask you to do a comedy show mm-hmm. now. So I got two shows coming up on the 16th, 24th with Harv, mm-hmm. June 16th with Mickey from the Comedy Lab. Oh, okay. And it's nice when more and more comedians start like recognizing your shows and mm. your content and they're like, ah, really come six months in, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone has a different pace of like they're growing. I'm trying to get to an hour of comedy material. I'd say that I have a solid 20, 20 minutes. Well, we're on the same boat, yeah. Okay. Um, solid that I can just get up there and like crush it mm-hmm. by putting those materials together. Um, I have a solid ten, a solid fifteen. It's again, I'm not doing it for like you're doing it for you. I just I love it. It's it's so fun. Mm-hmm. It's like if you gave me a Ferrari and got you know, do circles around on like a speed track, I would do it because that's what comedy feels like. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. It's like you literally have said. Jess, I give you permission to mm. talk. You know how many people in my whole life have just told me to shut up? Like, Jazz, you talk too much. Shut up. But on stage, I get a designated amount of time to talk, and mm-hmm. it's awesome. 
And that's no, it's not bad or anything like that. I actually enjoy that you actually like took charge of this whole thing because you you have no idea how many of the comedians were just said I don't know what to talk about. I'm like, and you just went like that, and I love it. Like I love it, but at the same time, I'm like, you you'll be fine doing all this. I know because you you might not think you're funny. I think you're funny. But, uh, and tr uh, what? I guess, I don't know. I, again, it's like being an actor. It's like, you have to have the confidence in your work. To like, yeah, no, I can do these mm. roles and I can take them on. Mm. But how it's judged and perceived by fans is completely different, mm. right? Perception. But it's not for mm. them. I mean, mm. It's great that people will come watch that stuff, but I'm doing the art for myself to tell stories. Mm -hmm. And if someone gives me that opportunity to tell my story, then I will, right? Through that narrative. Yeah, it's like, because you... You have like an ebb, and, like I've seen you on stage. You kind of have an ebb and flow, and you know what you want to talk about, you know, and it comes to you really quickly. It's like a grocery list, dude. Yeah. I went on. I won't. Okay, so this is funny. Yeah. I went on stage mm -hmm. recently on my own show that I produced, and I had like a bullet point, mm -hmm. and I still had seven minutes. And I'd gone through some of my jokes. I think I was a little too fast on some of the punchlines. Whatever it happens. It happens, yeah. And then I was like looking at my list of my grocery list, and I looked down quickly, glanced down on this little scrap paper, and it said parking. I said, like, okay, guys, I'm gonna leave you with one more joke tonight. I read parking out loud, and I come back to them like, parking. My brain farted, and I was like, I hope you all got a good parking spot tonight, cause it's Toronto. All right, guys, have a good night. <laughs> so, and then like someone came up to me at the end of the night and they're like hey it's really nice seeing you tonight you were really funny it's gonna leave you with one thing tonight parking and so it just became a running joke at the end of the night it's sometimes it, it, even they all laugh it, it's just awkward it, it, sometimes people like that awkward laugh it's every room's different you, it was just funny yeah no worries and what else uh so her Handles are in the bottom of the screen, and uh, is, so you have. Can you give us the name of the shows and the dates, or? Uh, Harv show, which is like they see Harv and friends or something, mm -hmm. and then Nikki at Comedy Lab, I think. I don't know what TBA is. Her show is called TBA. Just call it Tab. Tab. <laughs> yeah, just call it Tab. I guess. I, I don't know. I I got thirsty. Maybe? I don't know. I have to look it up. No worries. Like, you can look it up right now if you want. Actually, the show that I'm trying to organize right now is I want to organize an entire South Asian lineup mm -hmm. of women. If I can find that many South Asian comedians in Toronto. And have like a mirchi garam masala comedy show put on. Mm -hmm. Of like spiciness. Like an entire night of spiciness. And get an entire crew of DC people to come out and see the show. Of like... Yo, let's rip the band-aid off sexuality. Like, let's just talk about sex. Mm -hmm. When our parents didn't let us talk about it. That's pretty that's, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what I want to do next. Um, that's probably the show that I'm thinking of making next. It doesn't have to be all about sex. It could just be talking about anything that we just couldn't talk about as, like, mm -hmm. growing up. Or whatever resonates with you being brown and, like, being told that, you know, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. so, like, holding hands makes babies, like... <laughs> That's okay. how I learned about sex was like, you know, you two people hold and baby come. <laughs> I'm just imagining that right now. Right? Yeah. 
Right? Like, how can your pads give birth to a baby? Like, semen. I believe that though for the longest time. What? In Bollywood, the videos would come out and they'd hold hands or they touch each other. My dad fast forward. I'm like, oh, they're having babies. My dad also told that Mr. Bean was dead. And then his movie came out. And I'm like, Daddy, Mr. Bean's movie's out. He's like, that is fine. They made it before he died. So I told all my friends that Mr. Bean was dead until high school. Mm. And it wasn't until like first year that I realized that my dad had it wrong. <laughs> you can Google things. <laughs> so I Googled him. I'm like, Dad, Mr. Bean's still alive. Mm. He's like, oh, that he died. <laughs> no. He didn't even fact check that. Do you know how long I believed this, like, lie for and told everybody else that I was right and I was dead certain about this? <laughs> Basically, Mr. Bean was a hologram to your dad. He's like, they just, you know, they brought him, they filmed all this stuff before he died. I'm like, yeah, dad, so is Elvis. Elvis is still alive, too. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll plug my stuff, too. Um, let me think here. I don't have any plugs. I don't really know what that means. You guys have different lingo in just generation. Uh, I'm like only like four years younger than you. I don't know. You don't know how old I am. Nobody's supposed to. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I'm... I okay, uh, the, like I crashed and burned at the end. <laughs> but like at the same time, like you're not that much. We're practically the same generation. Plug means. Nope. Wrap it up is a nice term. Let's wrap it up. Okay, let's wrap it up. Okay. I have one show this month. It's going to be at Up Your Kilt in Brampton. I'm going to be performing there with some... I'll probably try and do some new stuff up there and change up my lineup. And until then, I would say that's it. I'd like to thank Jazz for coming out today and telling us everything she could say within... Well, as much as I could without getting into too many intrusive personal details. And that's no problem. You can hear my comedy anyways. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to get my ass up in the morning and go to the gym again tomorrow. Last night I went to bed at 3.30 because I was watching, uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, like, number 42. Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately and he talked about his prep work for 42 mm -hmm. and I was just really inspired. So I was like, I'm going to make an effort to watch that tomorrow night after work. Oh, you're going to I was doing it. my Joe job last night and I came mm -hmm. home, made a quick random dinner because like I'm on a strict diet right now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to drop five more pounds. Like I'm trying to be lean, cut and ripped. It's because I used to bulk and I did And nobody tells you when you're working out that 3,000 calories is a little too much. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was having like four cups of rice with four cups of dal like every day. And I was like, I bulked up to 140 pounds. Like, I was like, yo. And my friends were like, yeah, gal, you're tick, yeah, you're tick, gal. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Does that I can't Indian people? afford to buy a whole new wardrobe. Something needs to change. As so I Google, I calculated, I was eating too much. So then I cut my calories to 1500, which was hard. I felt like I was mm -hmm. starving myself. I started burning the fat, got to like 125, and then I was like, nah, I want to go real lean. So now I've cut my calories even more, and I'm eating a lot of protein and veggies. And this is a very particular diet, what I'm eating. And the first few times it was really hard, mm -hmm. cutting the fat and everything out. Now it's like four weeks in, it's like, if anytime I want something sweet, I just have fruit. I'm restricting myself not to learn sound black and buying myself a large popcorn with all the butter. Um, but anyways, like, I don't know. I, I go on off tangents a lot. It's no problem. Like, what I'm fine. Talking about? You're talking about, like, you, we were talking about language and, like... Okay, like, 
No, I was talking about like you say you just use wrap it up, and I'm like I say plug. Th- no, no language. I was talking about like mm-hmm. the only thing I have like mm-hmm. that I look forward to right now these days is you working out. Comedy and the acting, but we sometimes forget that our parents mm-hmm. and I love my dad. On a serious note, that, mm-hmm. you know we don't really have much that that much time with our family. Mm-hmm. So spend every ounce of it you can with them because you don't know how long they have. The older they get, the harder it's going to be mm-hmm. to do things. And so it's really nice. That I get to go to the gym with my dad every day. And mm-hmm. He gets my ass up in the morning to go. And so last, oh, that's what I was trying to say. I went to bed at three thirty mm-hmm. in the morning, and I felt like I almost had a heart attack this morning because it's like six forty-five. My phone's ringing off the like, mm-hmm. form is called. I'm like, hello, you not awake yet? <laughs> what? That is Saturday, and he's like, so. Let's go to gym. I have to go to wedding at ten o'clock, and I'm like, a wedding? Yeah, I get a wedding to attend at ten o'clock in the morning at the Gurdwara. I'm like, Dad, let's just skip. No, let's go. I'm outside waiting. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. Got ready in ten minutes. I was like, out the door. I'm like, here's the keys. You drive. I'm gonna nap. Okay, so uh, speaking of family, uh, next week we will not be airing another show because I will go be visiting my family next week. No, Niagara. (laughs) I will be down in Niagara. I'll just be spending time with them. Just interview your family. That'd be a cool podcast. I don't want to. It'd be funny. Oh God, no! Like, oh, my mom, like, on her very limited grasp of English. Perfect. Make it for like the uh, audience. What what does she speak? She speaks Tagalog. My mom's Filipino. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, You're uh, not brown at all, dude. I'm half Trini. You see, this is you said you were talking about not fitting in anywhere. This is how I feel. Okay, <laughs> I don't fit in anywhere. I was not Filipino enough for my Filipino side. I wasn't tricky enough I'm for my Chinese side. I'm just, I'm just I know, but I'm just but, saying. Uh, I'm gonna wrap this up with you. Okay, because you have to go. I have a big day tomorrow. I got a baby shower to attend. One of my friends had a oopsie, so I'm gonna attend their diaper party tomorrow. Oh. And then I got a board game party in the park and. I have to also be up at 7 o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. With your dad. On a Sunday. There's no sleeping in anymore. That was supposed to be a day of I've rest. I created a motivational dad who is turned into a motivational monster. He loves the gym. He's made friends at the gym. And he sees them every day, Monday to Friday, at the gym at a specific time. He's in the corner, you know, huddled with all the people in the corners working out together. That's actually pretty great, and I, I I'm so happy for your dad because he's taking charge of his health. He's feeling. You said he's it's done wonders for his mental health and everything like that. Yeah, he's doing great. Um, my mental health is good too. It's just I just act like a zombie. Get up, brush my teeth. I actually go to bed in my gym clothes now so that I can just get up and just wake up when he screams at me, and I just let like I'm ready to go. Okay, since you have places to go and people to see and places to be, I'm gonna stop this right now. It's been Did great, you guys. Have any viewers? I don't know. If, it, it, either way, I'm still uploading this to Spotify. Oh, if anyone saw this, hi. Bye, bye, guys. And that's been Jastanda. You guys be, you guys be sweet. <laughs>